All right, so this is Exiting Through the 2010s. It's a podcast where I reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper, and with me is my co-host, Clay Williams. Hi, we're going to talk about a super, like, subtle, understated, like, very complex... Like, it's a totally, like, chill movie we're about to talk about. There's How do you make like, an openly, opening, like, joke for this? This I, has got to be I, one I, of the most difficult... I try. Like, zingers, try. right? Like, Thank it's you. got... Thank you. I, I really. I mean, I give it, it up, but yeah, no, it's like. Like yeah, but like this is like easy. a totally calm movie. Like it's so like it's, and it's not like you know it's just so chill, and it's, it's like, like funny games. When we saw it oh yeah, it's it's like the most. It's not like obvious or like really loud in anything it's doing. It's totally like calm and very very chill. Uh, today we have special guest Valerie Complex. You know her work uh, from the playlist. Uh, IGN, uh, various other publications. Welcome. What's up? Thanks for having me. Sorry about the delay. Oh, no worries. No worries. Uh, we, yeah, it's it's all good. Makes things uh, exciting. How about let's let's think about it like that, you know? Yeah, it keeps us on our toes. <laughs> yeah, standard. Awesome. So, uh, Valerie, can you just like introduce yourself? Let it let everyone know uh, who you are and your background. Uh, yeah. Um, Valerie Complex. I've I've been a film critic doing film journalism for uh, six, seven, maybe seven or eight years. I don't know. I lose track of time, um, especially recently. Um, yeah. I just came up, you know, I started writing at Movie Pilot and ended up, you know, writing for like, you know, some of the places you mentioned, like Playlist and IGN. I've also written for The Nerdist and Variety. Um, it, so I've written for so many different places. Yeah, that it's, it's the like grind. Hard to keep track, you know, it's hard to keep track of now, for, like Harper's Bazaar and stuff. So it's a little hard to keep track of, but you know, I've busted my ass for the last, you know, several years, and this is where I am. And uh, you know, and I love film. I'm starting to get into watching more television now, but I do love to uh, film, and I love to talk to you about it. Uh, when did you yeah, get into it? Was it like a childhood TV. thing, or was it like uh, just like teenage? When was like you're like, oh yeah, I'm into movies. I've been into movies since I was a small child. Like mm-hmm. some of the earliest memories I have of watching films are like kung fu films that my dad used to show me. Um, they used to come on on the weekends on Saturday morning, um, and then you know getting me into the horror genre. Uh, the first film I remember seeing, I think, was Nightmare on Elm Street. That was about oh, four, wow. I think I was about four or five years old, and I remember just mm. loving it. Uh, <laughs> that was one yeah. of my first two. Really? You know, that would fuck me up. Yeah. yeah, I don't think nothing about me read normal, especially with the uh-huh. way that I reacted to, you know, watching you know nightmare on elm street and just being like oh i love this um, <laughs> you know and being like okay so this is a five-year-old who likes death and destruction or something is definitely mm-hmm. wrong <laughs> so, yeah, that's where yeah. it started that's that's it's the like the core point. concept of nightmares like someone invading your dreams that elevator pitch is already so it's it's so personal it's primal like the most well, yeah it's primal West yeah. West Craven talks about how it's sort of based on a 
on a true story, not in the, you know, not in the literal sense, but from it, something that happened to him, the idea of Freddy Krueger sort of morphed into this franchise. So. Mm-hmm. It's so iconic, especially like, I mean, like the iconography is like really like it stands out. Um, but I also I actually kind of get like if out of any horror movie ones like you would be interested as a child, I think Nightmare makes more sense because it's very dreamlike. There are very it's there are some one liners that are kind of like interesting. It's not lighthearted necessarily, but it definitely has it's very fun, even though it's scary. Yeah. And it gets, you know, sillier and sillier as the franchise grows. But um, oh, yeah. You know, like I watched Friday the 13th and it just never did anything for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, for, uh, for Nightmare on Elm Street was, was my thing, especially the first, and especially the first, the first, the first one and the third one are my favorites the Dream Warrior and the Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Dream Warrior is nuts. I, I I remember I watched that um actually like two or three maybe even four years ago and I remember just like oh wow this is like out of out of its mind it's bananas yeah yeah that's that's it so but I think Wes Craven only directed the first one no did he direct the first two I don't remember I think he, I he directed he did. a bunch yeah didn't he direct the reboot with yeah Nev he directed, he, he directed uh, new nightmare. New nightmare. New nightmare. And I think the first one. I don't. I don't know about the rest. Yeah, I don't think he, he might have directed. I don't think he directed three. But um, yeah, those are good movies. Those are those are definitely like in the canon of very weird. Like they're probably one of the more particular and specific slasher films in its concept and stuff. Right. And Scream yeah. plays similar for me too. I I think Scream might be even more formative. Just in how I didn't know, I didn't grow up with the tropes that it was kind of breaking down, but I kind of knew them because it's so in the public consciousness of horror and what makes a slasher movie. So I was like, oh, I get it now, and I'm in on the jo- I'm in on in on an inside joke with Scream. Oh man, I love those movies. But it also works as like a straight like slasher, oh, like yeah. even without the meta commentary. He nails that silly, that goofiness, but also the terror. Yeah. Um, well, I wish we were talking about Wes Craven today. Um, Is Scream Four would... this decade? No. Scream uh, Four? Yeah. No. Is it? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll look it up. But it, I don't think it might not be. I might. It's probably just under. Like it's like 2008 or something. Um, oh man. Oh no! It just passes 2011. Yes. Oh, so man, we might we might talk about it. That would be Dan cool. Riley would be good would be a good guess for that one. Um, interesting. Uh, but yeah, no. Today we're talking about uh something that's very much not Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, blue is the warmest color. Uh, we asked Valerie to choose a film, and at first she wanted to do Portrait, but like she thought about it a little more. She's talked about it, I think, on the Slash Film podcast, if I remember correctly. Um, before this, uh, so. But you chose blue is the warmest color. Do you want to ex- kind of give your reasoning behind uh, choosing the film? And also the well, first blue, time you saw it. Well, blue is the warmest color is a film about a girl named Adele who's like going through a sexual awakening, and she meets this uh, girl who uh, is an artist, and they sort of have this really 
crazy relationship. It's almost kind of like 500 Days of Summer, but with more lesbian sex and violence and whatever else. <laughs> you know, it's pretty much about a failed relationship, right? From beginning to from cradle to grave. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I picked the film because I'm always talking about portrait because it's a lesbian film. It's it's a it's my favorite lesbian film. It's you know in my top five favorite films of all time. Um, and um, you know besides the only flaw that portrait has in it is that it has no diversity. But I mean I get it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I I think that um, I chose it because I know a lot of people like blue films color. And um, I know that, um, you know, it won a bunch of awards and was nominated for an Oscar. I fucking hate that movie. And (laughs) it's so male gazy and so explicit for no absolute reason. The story's boring. It's just bad. And I I remember talking with um, Adele Haynell about this, and she was like, she didn't. You know, she was saying how there's something about talking about art and 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 relationships and, and craftiness that made her like the film, you know, a bit more. Um, but you know, and that did add some perspective. But I, I just I, I don't have anything nice to say about that. Mm. Yeah, it it it's a very acclaimed film. Uh, won the Palme d'Or. It won the Palme, um, yeah. Uh, very critically acclaimed. Uh, By the way, just I did not like the to the coincidences that involve this podcast. I think Cans was supposed to happen around this time in this recording, so it's yeah, funny that we're right. doing a Palm Door winner around funny. this time. You know, it's like because May to me is always signaling Can. Um, you know, even though I've never been, I, I always love hearing about the coverage and kind of feeling like I'm there. So. Um, you know, happy almost can, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, do they know when they're going to do it? Like, or do they, it's just like yes, done. There were rumors that it was going to be in the summer, but. Not happening. Yeah, I just, I can't, I think they'll just like delay it till next year. Um, Yeah, but, but yeah, I, this so. This would definitely not get my palm door. This would not get my palm door. Delayed, it's only delayed, I mean, it's only uh, postponed and there. It's not, it hasn't been canceled because they don't have insurance. So they'll lose out on a ton of money. Um, oh, you know, interesting. Most festivals don't have insurance because this kind of stuff doesn't happen. But uh, <laughs> it did, and now people are out of money. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very unfortunate. Um, but yeah, no, this would not win my Palm Door uh, as well. Uh, I'm it was up not against a fan of- like Only Lovers Left Alive and Inside Llewyn Davis. I think like it was up against. I mean, 2013 is also a. I mean, we've talked about a bunch. Like, it's also a stellar year this decade, so it's there's definitely some competition. Um, yeah, I so I saw the I saw I watched this for the first time last night. Um, I I looked it up uh, like on IMDb. I think it was like I was just trying to figure out the runtime for it. And I looked <laughs> it up and I found I saw it to be three hours. And I texted Jack like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" Um, like a three hour runtime is ridiculous for almost any movie it has to really justify that so i was mm. kind of like i can't believe like i has, i in my wildest dream i it couldn't can't be like a like it has to for it to be three hours the film has to it has to be doing 
something else than showing us gratuitous nudity and 15 minute sex scenes, which is something I know French men love. But I, yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, it's, I was kind of, I was still stunned because it just, if you described the story to me, I just don't think it would be three hours long, but, um, apparently it is. Uh, yeah, I saw it for the first time, um, last night and, uh, I was kind of dumbfounded. Like I, I heard about it. So my understanding is like, I heard it got some praise. I heard, uh, people like it. Then I, here maybe in like the last two years about like um there were some like legitimate problems with it and the director was kind of a creep um and then i'm like okay all right well i'll I'll watch it and then uh well i watched it in preparation for this podcast um i was curious to see i heard about the explicit sex scenes and so as Mm -hmm. i'm watching it and those uh, sex scenes happen i was still somehow shocked i'm just like i can't believe this is actually happening right now like Mm -hmm. it's just it's so it's so needless. It's so, I mean, the male gaze thing is, it's definitely apparent in almost every directorial decision. Um, it feels, it feels like a fantasy, uh, like a self-fulfilling fantasy that is so, <clears throat> there's no self-discipline. It's just, I mean, I guess we'll get into it, but yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I was, but I, I literally at one point. You're not uh, going to be the contrarian like this is what you're saying. No, it's just, <laughs> I, there was one point where um, I think it's at like, they're having this dinner after they broke up or whatever um, at like a bar, I think. And when she's like starts sucking, um, <laughs> sucking, uh, what, what's Adele and who's the other, uh, who's Leah Sadu's character? What's her name? Emma. 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 When she started sucking Emma's hand, I legitimately said out loud, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I just like, the, they were this the in first a time public that. place. Interesting. I mean, yeah. no, I mean, I said it a whole, whole, whole bunch, but I remember just like, are you like i started laughing because it was just so like what is this movie yeah Um, uh well if you guys want to hear something even more embarrassing than that than that i saw this on a flight Um, oh and i did not know what i was getting myself into (laughs) because i think you know it's funny we we recorded this in an episode on enemy back to back and i think i discovered both of those with similar circumstances, if I'm if I'm remembering it right, that I rem- I saw this in like some clickbaity article, like top ten controversial movies you gotta see to believe, something like that. That's like, oh, what is what what could be in here? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I saw this on a really long long flight to California because it was like a family trip. My my family had never been to California, so we just kind of took a tour around the state. And yeah, it took up the entire, I think it took up the entire flight time. And I was like, and I think in 2017, that was also the time that it, I was starting to develop taste and I'll watch pretty much anything. And it took up that entire runtime. So I, I figured the three hour movie kind of justified itself to watch the whole time. And I, I think it's tough to remember my initial reaction back then, but I think it must've been something a little lukewarm because i wasn't over the moon like i about it because i think i remember just kind of veering off with my interest and maybe i didn't have my critical senses as keen as i do now to kind of talk about why my interest veered off but yeah i i think i'm just gonna echo what you said that um 
it does feel exploitative and i think kashish is the complete wrong choice to to be telling this story that the story here is not what it's fault but the what is that fault is the storytelling and well everything is at fault yeah. i mean is is the director i forgot i forget his name is he a kashish director? it's like abdel kashish i think it, i mean sure he's a competent director but he should really stay away from writing and he should probably stay away from young girls because every every time a young woman stars in his films they hate it they hate the experience they have nothing but complaints like even his newest film that was at uh can last year was yeah, the one four about Flats, hours right? yeah it was yeah, four so- hours of just people in clubs and shaking asses and mm. So I think the girl who stars in it is so embarrassed by the film. Mm. I think she walked out of the movie screening yeah. or something, or the press conference. She walked out of somewhere. And I, I heard about that, that I think. Yeah. And I remember it's the same thing happened to Leah Sadu. She got into an argument with the director uh, at Cannes for Blue's the Warmest Color, and she pretty much came to the press conference in tears. And mm-hmm. like her and Leah and and Adele. Uh, uh, they don't even talk about blue is the warmest color. They don't talk about it. They don't mention it. They don't do interviews about it. They don't want anything to do with the director. Like he pretty much abused them. Um, you know, made them film the sex scenes over and over. Mm-hmm. I believe it took ten days. Ten days. And it was supposed For to like, be like eight, a closed oh. set, and it was like everybody was on set. It was. I mean, it was. It. I mean, it's it's bad. It's really mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. And um, apparently he abused labor laws too. Like uh there like a whole bunch of unions kind of went after him because he you know, he was like he, he harassed the crew the crew and like didn't pay them for overtime. Like just really nasty shit that you you're surprised that he works after this, honestly, and makes a four hour film. Like it's it's crazy. It's like I've I've never been more like, oh my god, are you kidding? Um, yeah. Well, you man, know, just France hearing. is like, you know, France, they love all of that kind of stuff. If it's not shown, oh, yeah. then somebody has to get raped or there's a whole bunch of violence. That's the way they like it. And that's the why. That's the reason why a movie like Blue's the Warm Color can be successful in France, but Portrait of a Lady on Fire is considered a cult classic in its own home country. And it makes no sense, but that's just the way it is. It's the way they, they think. And, and, um, no, Isn't probably, Polanski living in France right now? Yes. Like, yeah. 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 That's just. I think that's just like. Of course. Like. I. It's a. It's a different culture, man. Um. I don't. I don't pretend to know anything about it, but it's not like. Like the whole. Like the whole thing with. Um. What. What are the awards? With. Um. The, the Adele Hanel. Yeah. The Caesar Awards. Yeah. Yeah. I just. This, all of that was just such a fucking mess and kind of gross. Um. I think if I want to speak speak the obvious, I, I think, you know, I'm not an expert in French cinema, but from what I can tell, maybe French filmmakers are attracted to the human body. So that kind of plays where it's like well, they it's, they have a fascination of some sort. Their, their culture thrives off of sex and desire. Like, this is what mm-hmm. they told me. Like, this is not, like, something I'm making up. Mm-hmm. It thrives off of sex and desire. Um, it's, I mean, their culture is really behind. It's, you know, they're forward thinking in some aspects and, you know, archaic in others. Yeah. 
yeah, it is interesting to see some of the differences culturally, but also, but it how it reverberates into like just like filmmaking in general, and it's also interesting because this film is posing itself as this progressive, um, liberal, forward-thinking uh, kind of uh, story, um, even though it's that it's the only reason it's posing itself as that is just because of the like, inherent sexuality of the characters but besides that it's anything but it's just it's very it's it, it there's lot it lacks so much insight into anything like interesting or new or uh frankly tasteful um it's just <laughs> eh. well it's not a film that makes you care about the characters like even in films that are like you know, excuse me. I have to burp. <laughs> no worries. No, you um, got to get it out. Even films that are like cast by like straight actors who are playing gay, like The Favorite, for example, or for Disobedience, mm. at least you care about the characters. Um, I don't remember caring about anybody in Blue is no. the Woman's Color. Um, hmm. It, it's I really just, yeah. a mess. Um, and, you know, the director is okay with just exploiting that. And I think that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. It is fucked up. Um, um, yeah. I, yeah. If I, we want to get into the... I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, uh, go ahead, yeah, Jack. You... Sorry. I'm, I'm, we're all just interrupting each other. I, this always happens at Skype calls. It's always. It's like a Robert Altman movie. <laughs> um, <clears throat> if we want to get to the controversy a little bit, there's this piece on Vulture that I'm going to make sure to tweet out, or at least you know, I'll try to remember. It just kind of details the whole con- the whole drama that transpired between Abdul Kashish and Lisa Du following Can into like September. So that's May to September. It's pretty. That's so way more than drama? Um, yeah. Drama for I'll, like six months? Yeah. Um so when's the so I'll try to summarize and I'll try to add in details. Um it wins the palm, of course. And then it says uh, yeah, so then Lace Du says that it was a horrible horrible time shooting. I felt like a prostitute. Uh thank God I won the palm because it was such a horrible experience. The sex scenes, especially the seven minute long one. In the very beginning, it took 10 days to shoot. Um, and then Kashish, uh, in an interview, he said, that was one of the best jobs in the world. I loved making the movie. How come Isidu showed up to Cannes wearing dresses and jewelry and she posed for everything she did in interviews but still did not have a good experience? I'm kind of like paraphrasing, but you, know, you, can, you guys can read much more. It's a good little summary. Um, yeah, and it seemed like Adele um, Karopoulos kind of tried to st- stay out of things. And it's just these two going back and forth, but it's like, oh, man. Like, this is just kind of like rubbing salt on the wound, it feels like. I believe because... Adele at the time was younger, and I believe this was one of her yeah, first her It was one of her first roles. Cause I could, so That's I could true. see why she wanted to stay out of it. Because I know her personality now is not like it was then. Um, mm-hmm. Adele now would be more likely to speak out, but back have you then, seen her in other things? I haven't. I haven't seen her in other things. 
Um, I have. She had, his new, she had a new movie that was at Cannes last year called Civil, but that that's all I remember. Mm. Um, now, somebody did point out something that I thought was interesting and that I unfortunately agree with. Now, this director, he has a habit of really pushing his actors to the brink, um, mm. kind of like Lars von Trier does, where he drives every woman that works for him completely insane. Um, but, um, somebody had said like, they, the two, neither of them have delivered a good performance since then. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to understand why. I don't know if it's because they need to to be more, they need more direction or they need to be pushed in a certain way, but they definitely, uh, haven't given a good performance since then, according to a couple of French people I know. So, um, I don't know. It's just really, it's really interesting. Um, uh, you know, just based on not, it's not just the film itself, but it's the stuff that's surrounding the film. But also I think people neglect to remember, like their relationship is disgusting in general because the character is 16 and 15. She might even be 15. I don't know. The character is a minor. Yes, definitely. There's no question. Who is an adult. And it's like, so we are basically watching a teenager masturbate and a teenager, a minor, have sex with an adult and it's glamorized and it's romanticized. Um, and their their relationship is toxic. And by the time the film ends, I don't even think the character is 21 still. Um, mm. And The time I jumps think- are so weird. I mean, because there is no, there are no cues of time jumping. We're just supposed to assume. Yeah. And I, I think somebody had mentioned. It's that. like Little Women. Right. And I think somebody. No, I'm, just, I'm just. But the thing about Little Women is that it has. There are certain indicators, like at least clothing changes or whatever. The only thing that yeah, changes yeah, yeah. over time in Blue is the warmest color is the blue hair that eventually disappears. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, I mean, and that's just what, you know, story, storytelling is just one of the ways that the film is not good because we don't, we don't know the characters beyond their relationship. There's um, no foundation set for Right, it's not, there's nothing that's earned. Their relationship no. is not earned. It is, um, we are, we follow uh, Adele, um, in a way that is anticipatory, meaning we're anticipating her getting in this relationship as opposed to watching her and watching who she is in the moment. Uh, the film wants you to anticipate this relationship and just kind of disregard who the main character is. And these people do not even exist outside of this relationship. Yes. Um, you know, it's not like you know, good films like Blue Valentine, where it's like, um, you see who these people are kind of outside of this toxic relationship that they have. But no, we we don't really know who to trust because we don't know the characters outside of this relationship. So... Which is crazy because it's three hours long. You would think you would have more <laughs> insight into who these people actually are, but like we jump in out of nowhere into like... I think it's like Adele's like junior year of high school 
and it goes straight into her like wanting to have like like having this relationship with this boy and then that's like the first 20 minutes and we have no idea who she is and we're just like supposed to grasp at straws as this as like you know her sexual conquest is like happening we're just supposed to kind Mm. of be like Okay, who she is? Okay, she likes reading books. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, what else? She's good in school. Uh, what is she? And then we learn. Oh yeah, she wants to be a teacher. Okay, where did that come from? Like it's just. It, it, it's and then she's turning eighteen at that birthday party, I think. It. it I guess. Yeah. yeah and it's, I think so. Uh, I think I, I do know. remember at the time when I first saw this on an airplane. Um, Which is I, I did like. Yeah, I know it's. I was so so embarrassed. I was like, should I be doing this? Around and it's like you don't even have like like barriers between chair. Were um, you sitting next with your parents? No, thankfully it wasn't. No. Well, I mean, um, probably better than yeah. Whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I remember liking the first hour, or it's like I enjoyed more seeing this person in high school, in the social. Uh, economics that go along with being outed and and sort of her what her friends think and this and this male best friend that she can share details with that maybe she can't share with with the girl friend group um but yeah I, I think even that fails to accomplish um what it sets out to do on this on this revisit that it's it's something that I think it it could give us so much more in that first hour maybe bring back that friend group into the picture maybe we see Adele going back after her and Emma break up or something but yeah it's just it's so surface good. level mm. it, it there's feels nothing like really there's even though it's three no, hours I know that, it's you know? insane <laughs> it's truly crazy this is Lawrence of Arabia is. you know it's <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, it feels like it lacks a lot of depth or actual understanding of, like, any social dynamics of what's going on. Um, Not even just, like, lesbians, but, like, like a human interaction period. (laughs) It's just mad weird, because it's like, I've never seen two human beings interact that way. I mean, I'm sure there are people that do, but it seems, there's something about it that seems so clinical and... um, really uh, uh like it, like blue is the warmest color almost exists in like alternate reality like i don't know where the film exists at um because it's certainly not the real world um with the way people yeah. talk to each other and the way they move about the world is just something very awkward about the whole experience that we see from these two uh it just never came across as as genuine it was one yeah. of those films that and i have a, a discussion on um on my youtube channel and that i'm posting up on my ig uh igtv uh channel with uh french author iris bay uh iris bray or iris bray if you want to uh, call it that she's a french film critic and author and she talks about the female gaze and she talks about blue is the warmest color being one of those films that like made her have an out of body experience, but not in a good way. It's one of the films that like you, as you watch it, you start to shrink and feel small and kind of like, don't want to be there anymore. Uh, watching Mm -hmm. it, you know, not like a three hour film, like the Irishman or last of the Mohicans Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, 
you know, where at least the film keeps you in the moment. But but this is um, I don't know what's going on with with Blue's warmest color in terms of um, you know, having a, a story that is coherent. And I just I also just couldn't get why the French were just so like like gun ho about this movie. It, I mean yeah. yeah, I mean there but it's weird because I looked at okay, so who is on the it, I, I was looking over the Wikipedia page and the people on the judging committee for Cannes, it was people like it's Nicole Spielberg, Kidman. Yeah, right? Spielberg, Nicole yeah. Kidman, Ang Lee, and Spielberg also just came out and like he made the statement of like because they did something um they did something extraordinary is that they gave the Palm d'Or also to the two main actresses, Leah Sadu and um, Adele. Mm-hmm. And apparently that's not done usually. And so they gave it to those two and like Spielberg puts out the statement of why they're doing, they're making this exception. And he's, you know, like praising the film, talking about, you know, like, you know, it's very genuine. You know, we really get to see into these characters and the great performances and how intimate and also, like, I think it's, like, one of Edgar's Edgar Wright's, like, 1,000 favorite movies. And, I mean, it, that's a whole conversation. I mean, I, I, I love Spielberg. I love Edgar Wright. But I just don't agree with any of that. Um, and I think it's weird how many people actually just gravitated towards this movie. Um, a friend of mine, actually, um, I, I was talking with a friend of mine. His name's Jay. He, uh, up, uh, you know, future guest, hopefully, if we can figure out his schedule. But... Uh, I was talking to him, and he told me uh, that, that uh, quote, this is the movie that some people watch and think it's progressive since it's sexual. And I kind of think that's true. I think people, like, it was so tantalizing, explicit, controversial that it garners this mystification or this, uh, this I, I, I guess, just like this otherworldliness of, like, it's like this... Uh, prohibited object or it's like oh it's dangerous or something like that it's you know it's it's not for you know normal people or whatever it's it's this other thing that only uh film uh film appreciators can get or like you know film nerds and i just think it's i don't know the whole thing surrounding it i don't dig i don't dig the glorification of this movie i don't dig the story i don't uh, like story behind the production i don't get i don't know um, I don't even know what I'm really saying, but I, it's interesting to find how many people really glommed on into this movie. Um, especially you know, with even Kashish Kishisa himself disowned it. In fact, um, what? after the whole th- yeah, so he said, "Hang on, I got it." Yeah, so it's like, I I wish this movie can go away. I want it soiled because. Yeah, it's soiled too much. The Palm Door had been a brief moment of happiness. Then I felt humiliated and dishonored. I felt rejected. I feel like I'm cursed. Because this was all in the midst of that rivalry with Lisa Do. So it's like, who wants this to exist? <laughs> you know, is it the filmmakers like, that appreciate the craft? The right. Yeah. Um, very strange. Very strange little hubbub going on. Um. I would have liked to seen film Twitter at this time, you know, like to see how it, how everyone would have, would have reacted, how it is now. That would have been interesting. Well, it's just so weird because they they would take the title 
of this book, of this graphic novel called Blue's The Warmth mm-hmm. Color. Which and also, it, sorry, the author is disowned. She's also hated this adaptation. Yeah. Um, because it's nothing like, like, I, I just don't know why they, I don't know why they used the title and just didn't call it something else. Now that woman's book is forever tarnished because people mm-hmm. are going to see the movie and then go buy her book and expect to see that. Mm-hmm. And when they find out the book is different, because the book is completely different. Oh, have you read it? Uh, I read a summary of it and I was like, wait, yeah. this, I was like, what? <laughs> this is absolutely 100% not the same film. Like their relationship doesn't manifest that way. They're both older and they're accomplished. Like it's just completely different. Mm. Uh, I'd be pissed too if I was that author. I'd be mm. like, how? I mean, she probably thought at the time that a good thing was happening. And then she oh, yeah. saw it and was horrified. I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that just sucks. Um, yeah, I, I, I think. So. Uh, have any of you ever seen the indie film? Uh, it came out in the 80s, uh, Desert Hearts. Uh, a long time ago. I need to. Um, I need to. I need a rewatch. Um, I saw that uh, last, or I think it was like a few months ago. Um, I was I was trying to I was trying to watch more uh, female directed films because it's always. Those are always big blind spots that I feel like I need to work on, um, and that was one of the ones that popped up. Uh, it's a. It was one of like the like first real like major majorly produced or not even majorly produced but just overall like produ- professional film productions of a lesbian drama, um, and I I loved it and it's directed by uh, Donna uh, Donna Deitch 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 I think, um, and I was like okay, um, it really real the. I'm I'm always been uh, learning more about film. I've been trying to understand the term, like female male gaze, that approach to everything, uh, how that uh, is shown in uh, in directing choice, like a, a director's choice in filming, uh, whether it be sex scenes or just overall like the overall film and how they approach female characters. Um, and I just think that movie is so t- uh, tasteful and very. Um, it's very central, even though there's like one sex scene, but it's like, it's the tension. It's the, it's, it's super romantic. It's uh, fulfilling. It's interesting that the characters are actually, uh, like drawn out and, um, fleshed out and it's 90 minutes long. And I, and oh, even that runtime. Oh, oh, it's great runtime. Oh, great runtime. Um, I saw not it in March and I had the thought like, I mean, this is not, and again, this is not revolutionary. I just it just made me even think about it more is like most male directors fail to understand that the difference, that there's a difference between sensuality and exploitive. And when I watched that movie, I'm like, okay, yes, that's like, like when the more I watch like female filmmakers tackle these kind of films, I'm like, that's the difference is that they understand that it doesn't need to be this uh, gratuitous or over the top sex scene to make it uh, quote unquote sexy or uh, sensual. That you can, it could be tasteful. It can be, it can be uh, tame. It can be, um, uh, you can have some discipline in how you film those kind of scenes, and it works so much better. And this movie was like, oh my god, that's the exact, this is like the exact uh, mm-hmm. personification <clears throat> of what's wrong with the male gaze in these female-oriented stories. I think what's an exception. I I thought of this revisit. We have an entire episode about it, actually. It's called Carol. Um, Todd Haynes' understanding of that relationship is just superb, and 
you know, it there's there is one sex scene that is just masterfully done um, in Carol, and you know, it's more of an implication than it is to draw out something that the audience is going to obviously be distant from. You know, there's nothing more unsexy than a sex scene on film because it's like kind of like you're the third wheel, <laughs> especially <laughs> here, where it's like, okay, well, all right, I'm here too. Um, it, it loses its intimacy, and that's obviously a, a big wound here that um, Kashish feels like more is greater you know obviously the the popular expression is that less is more yeah um yeah. carol is great and I, and I i think it helps not by much but i think it does help too when you are someone who is queer and mm-hmm. you are you know filming from that perspective and experience uh, I believe that that definitely helped Todd Haynes um, put together something that was halfway decent. Yeah. Um, you know, because without that, who knows what we would have gotten or mm-hmm. what Carol would have turned out to be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Portrait has that special thing because it is directed by and starring people who are a part of the LGBTQ community. And when I showed it to a friend of mine who, you know, is also a lesbian, she was like, wow, that's a really accurate portrayal of lesbian relationships, or at least a type of lesbian relationship. And um, that was that was dope to hear her say that because it's true. Um, you know what I'm saying? So... Um, I just think that, uh, you know, first of all, we need more women directing. And then second of all, we need more, um, we need more, uh, people of color directing and we need more, you know, queer people. We need more mm-hmm. just what we're getting. It makes better movies too. I think that's what people like. There's always these people who, you know, go against like, you know, uh, uh, diversity and saying, oh, you know, it it doesn't matter uh, who's behind the camera or whatever. I think it does because it usually just produces better movies because they understand the perspective more inherently and have, you know, and they're able to execute what they set out to do in a much more genuine, um, uh, insightful manner. And it's one, it's just important to have diversity in general, no matter what industry it is. But it also just produces better art. And I always get mad when people are like when there's that criticism of no, it doesn't matter. I think it does. I think it just makes better movies. And I feel like everyone kind of wants that. What doesn't matter? The the people think it uh, the uh, identity, uh, whether it be, you know, um, the ethnicity or the sexual identity of a filmmaker, an actor doesn't matter because it's all like it's all fictionalized or whatever. And I think sure. it's, I just think that's wrong because like it has no the execution. Yeah. But it, it does matter because I think it yeah. just produces yeah. better art. And I, I don't know. I mean, that's a big conversation. Yeah. It's a big conversation. Um, also like, um, I, it's societal too, right? If mm-hmm. the is resistant to this type of stuff, then I guess that's it. Like portrait is, one of the, you know, Portrait is the best lesbian film that I've seen. 
and one of the best LGBTQ movies that I've seen. But we all know on both sides, this, a lot of the shit sucks. Like for men, men have Moonlight. Um, and for women, we have Portrait of a Lady on Fire. But those are not like, um, those are exceptions. That's, yeah. These are not films that we get, you know, under a common thing. Um, it's, it's, it's not something that we get on the regular. So it's, you know, we get films every few, good films every few years. The last good one was The Favorite. Before that was, uh, the last good one was The Favorite, Disobedience. And then before that was Carol. Um, mm-hmm. The Favorite and Disobedience was Portrait. Like they come so rarely for women and men. Um, I think the last uh, people enjoyed God and Country and then, uh, and then we danced, um, you know, but the films are so few and far in between. You know, we don't know where the next, where the next one is going to come. Yeah. You know, what the next one is that we're going to value. Um, there yeah. are people who are trying to do better work out there. Um, they're all women. Mm-hmm. Uh, the favorite worked because uh, it was co-written by a woman. You know? Um, yeah. These things work um, when uh, when women are, are involved a lot of the I, time. I, yeah, it, it's true. It's just it's apparent. Um, it's apparent in every department, uh, whether it be writing, acting, or directing. You, you know, I think there's just some things that there's some perspectives that need to be involved when making a certain movie with a certain subject matter. I think it, I think it's needed because it it just one it's it just should happen in general because pe- everyone should have like you know it, you know equality and. All of that, but it also just produces better art, and it gives more. And it representation, you know, allows. It allows also a n- new generation of filmmakers to follow suit, um, and I think that's what this whole thing is all about. So, blue is the warmest color. I feel is just, I feel is very apparent into this kind of conversation because it's just kind of, it's an example of what doesn't work when you have a, a straight man. Um, I mean, it, uh, telling this kind of story because it just it lacks any insight, it lacks any like uh, genuine. Um, it, it lacks it, how do I say this? It just doesn't feel right. It feels well, I, wrong. I feel like it's not just because it's a man telling the story. It's because this director is not really competent in a mm-hmm. lot of different facets of a film like he can direct a film I'll give him that um, but to tell some people should stick to directing and just not write and some people should you know write and not direct and or edit or have any other power besides what they're good at doing um, mm-hmm. and he I think just exercised all of his how do I say it I think he Fantasies. just took on more than he sh- could chew. Yeah. Um, yeah. It feels very self-indulgent, too. Like, he's just like, you know, I want to do this because I want to do this. It's everything. I usually don't like to use that term, self-indulgent, but it, it does feel self-indulgent. Yeah. No, that is like a a very good example. Of, and I can see why you don't like to use self-indulgent, but... Blue is the warmest color is one of those examples where you're like, mm. wow, okay, well, this is just 
this is just a it's so it's so much to to take in it feels uh it feels selfish yeah it feels it feels cocky to and that stir up controversy yeah how we see how he treated the actresses it'd mm. be different if it was an experience that they could defend you know what i mean mm. like you know you have the women of game of thrones who even though the shit that they go through is triggering and not always done well or written well the women involved are confident enough to defend it the actresses in blue is the warmest color can't even defend the film they they don't even want to talk about it yeah so, everyone involved disowns it like that's I feel like there's even more uh, bad shit involved that we're not even hearing about. <laughs> if it's got, if things yeah, are got, have gotten this bad, because yeah. it's a it's a film that won the Palme Noir, went mm-hmm. to a bunch of different film festivals, got an Oscar nomination, and it's a film nobody wants to be involved in. Of course, there's more to the story. There has to be more. Mm-hmm. Really does. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's also like there's there's a lot of useless scenes in this movie that even like if you get behind like get away from the relationship aspects or we kind you know, of feel like the, deleted the sex scenes. scenes. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like what does this add? It's just like this like the camera just like holds onto her like doing paperwork or whatever or her sleeping, and I'm just like, hey, okay, you, it, like you didn't have to make this three hours. There was so much you could have cut. Do you think Kashish so used much. everything? Like he didn't know that no, there was a first there was, draft. Apparently like the there was draft? way more. There was oh, way oh, more yeah, it footage. Was to be, it was supposed to be four hours. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. It was supposed to be four hours and not only was it supposed to be four hours, it was supposed to be a trilogy. Hmm. Because the second film, I think the second film was supposed to be because the in France, the, I believe the title was The Life of Adele. Hmm. Um, volume one. Called. And volume two was supposed to be about her reconnecting with this chick from high school. Oh, uh, the friend that we see at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Is the book but, into three parts? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, but um, and it was supposed to be like, you know, pretty much like the life of Adele and like her, you know, her, her take on relationships, but when you can't get the original actresses involved, there's no sequel. There's no yeah. sequel. Yeah. And, I, you know. It also know. details in that Vulture piece that he was even reconsidering recasting Lisa Do because she was just so uncooperative. I would say that I do, I do kind of um, think Adele X. Arcopolis is very good in this. I, I think that it takes a lot of effort and strength to put yourself in pretty much every scene of a movie. Like there's not, it's not like I'm, I'm bored of seeing her on screen. I think she has some kind of presence. Yeah. I just wish she was given a character. Right. Of course not. I mean, the material she has to work with is not satisfactory, but it's. Yeah. I think she's good. And I actually think Leia Sadu is okay too. Like I, I actually like the acting in the scene when, um, Emma finds out that Adele was cheating on her, right. and I it's think kind of the both show actors do a really good job in that scene because it feels very raw and it feels very, like it's it you know it's it's emotional. Um, I don't 
I don't really care. But that's the problem. Like I wouldn't use, yeah, I wouldn't use emotional to describe this. Like it's emotional for Emma and Adele, but I'm not, this isn't marriage story where it's like, oh man, I'm, I feel like I'm being caught with a knife here that I feel, um, I feel nothing. You know, I, I lose all sorts of intimacy because, um, this movie has no grasp on intimacy. And, no, and, really oh man, that's a really good way to put it. There, mm. I mean, that is excellent. Like the perfect way to describe it. it has no grasp on intimacy, and um, there are times where it doesn't feel like acting, but it's always like the wrong moments. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he's put if he's pushing them or whatever, because in that scene. Um, Adele got hurt a few times um, because the director was telling Leah to be rougher and rougher and rougher and rougher. And I think uh. as they got rougher, the tensions got higher and they became more emotional. And then he finally got, um, you know, he finally got what he wanted out of them. But, you know, the actresses were so exhausted because he would do like a hundred takes of a scene. Um, like it was really a lot like, he was, it's like he stanley was kubrick you know it's, he was torturing these, these women like he he really was fucking with them so gross yeah just so. like oh man i mean i you know sometimes like i mean the thing is with kubrick i you know i love the shining i think it's like a, an amazing movie but it's hard for me not to think about like how he treated shelly duvall and like how torturous that set was um <laughs> but like and i don't want to say well at least it was good um but it's it's a thing to at least it feels like there was a point to it even though i still think it's not really excusable the way he treated her but at least it produced something that made that that you know i don't know if justifies but at least no i think i think i know it. where you're going where that is where Wendy is supposed to be in the scene. Like she's literally going insane. And that insanity is something is something that cannot be organic. But with, uh, with Adele and Emma, I think those characters are at a breaking point. And I think, but they don't need to, they, they don't can need a hundred fucking takes. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I think, I think the shining is ill advised, but this, this is something that, that can be brought out. You can, an actor can go to that place. You don't, Kashish doesn't need to be involved in order to, to provide for them to, to be emotionally available. Right. And I yeah. just, I don't get it. I don't get. Yeah. It's, it, I it, yeah. I, 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 no, I don't get it either. Uh, I think like it, it's the whole thing is just unstructured to me and it feels the scenes just go on and on the characters have no growth i don't think it feels like i don't want to spend just, time in this world you know like hmm. i think i'd excuse the run to, you're actually this brings up another coincidence we're doing blade runner 2049 in a few weeks and that is a world that i want to live in for six hours you know so you to go back to the conversation about runtime, this is something that not only feels its length, but I think it doesn't know what to do with it. No. Like it's, it's long, it's long because it's that's boring. the length of his ego. Yeah. 
That's all. <laughs> that's yeah. great. It yeah. oh, that's that's a great way to put it. That should be on the poster. It, the runtime is the <laughs> length of director's ego. That's fine. Blue is the longest ego because, like, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's it, you know, it's only long because, like, there are all these scenes that make no sense. Like, um, you guys were mentioning before, there's a whole bunch of details that aren't relevant to the story makes in no any sense. way. But no. here we are, two hours and 15 minutes in, still waiting for something to happen. And it's almost like the characters they become more immature as they get older. Like, I just didn't understand the trajectory he was trying to take these people on. It was just, and, and, and it, but he, there are some things I did like about Blue is the Warmest Color. Um, I like certain shots. Like, I definitely liked when they were at the, um, mm. at the Pride Parade. I thought that was a really cool scene. Um, I liked, uh, I did like the scene. I like the natural there. lighting, too. Right, right. Yeah. He has really good understanding of natural lighting and um but yeah, there really isn't a whole lot to compliment on. The actresses are doing what they can, but they really hold that's a lot of pressure for two people to hold yeah. on their shoulders. Uh, yeah. And especially when it's so personal, intimate and like they like they must be so vulnerable and I think in every You'll hear this from almost any competent director who's not a asshole. <laughs> They'll say that our job as a director is to make people is to make our actors feel comfortable in those vulnerable moments to create an atmosphere and an environment that is that makes them feel safe when they go to a place that is per, that is you know can be damaging or personal and um, very emotional. And it just and from all every single report that was not the environment that she's created and and i i just can't imagine like the frustration and the emotional hurt it feels to just be just to be shown like that and not given any compassion as like a person because it also feels i don't like yeah yeah no i'm sorry go ahead I I don't know. I just feel like the like these aren't actual people. (laughs) Like I'm watching like these. It's just it feels all about. Like, I don't know what this movie has to say besides their sexuality. I, I don't think they're, these are actually people. That it's just all centered around their sexual identity and them screwing. Like, I don't know. That's, like, I just... That's why I said it seems like the film exists in, on another Earth or something. Because yeah. it's just... These people don't seem, like, real. It just seems like a simulation. Like, mm-hmm. nothing is, is, is real about it. Um, and what's interesting is... Um, if you look at interviews with Noemi Merlant, who is who plays Marianne in uh, Portrait of Lady on Fire, um, she says she's done a lot of films where she felt objectified and um, she would do really tough scenes and nobody would ask her, you know, how she was doing, if she was okay or whatever. But she said the reason why Portrait changed her whole idea and made her more confident is because she was working on the set with women who constantly checked in on her and she said you know after every even after times when her and Adele would kiss or whatever Adele would ask her you know check in with her are you doing okay is everything okay is there any way I can make you feel better or whatever and that is the kind of stuff that you mentioned um 
that you just mentioned just now, uh, Clay, um, about, you know, environments and feeling a type of way um, mm-hmm. when you're on set and you have to deal with these difficult situations. Um, you know, and a lot of that is probably conducive to just having other women around. You know, I, I presume that maybe um, I presume that maybe, you know, that's not something women experience or there aren't a whole hell of a lot of women working on sets in France to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it must it's a completely different. That's a completely different environment um, to just feel singled out and surrounded by people who that can't really understand what they're going through in such a vulnerable time. Um, you kind of yeah, remind me I mean, of that shot in Silence of the Lambs with um, Clarice in the elevator, and she's just surrounded by male FBI dudes. Oh, yeah. She's just in the gray sweater, and they're all, like, and red. Like, and she feels kind of, like, uncomfortable because she's in yeah. this foreign environment where she knows no, where she doesn't know anyone, and, like, yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good comparison. We need Jonathan uh, Demi right now. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I think the I think what's important for uh, um I think these kind of productions, whether it be blue or swarms color, but uh, it's also happening in TV a lot is the need for intimacy, intimacy coaches, people who understand the dynamics of filming a sex scene and understanding who's comfortable and making and like checking in with every individual because these are. These are very awkward, uh, very intimate, very vulnerable scenes that are treated that directors can really fuck up and make people feel shitty. Um, and I think that there's this growing, there's this rise of have of the need for to have intimacy coaches on set to make sure everyone's comfortable and that everything is being handled the right way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think and I think this film kind of shows like yes, we need those positions. We need to get people to. Uh, we, we need a better understanding of these kind of um, scenarios on set because it's just a. It can just be really. It could be done po- really uh, poorly, um, and make everyone involved feel very uncomfortable. I just. I don't know. I hope. You know, and when you're on stuff like that and doing work like that, you can become indoctrinated to this environment and think that that's the way that things are supposed to go um mm-hmm. when it it isn't and it shouldn't be you know um but i guess that's another issue because the women and just the people there in general france is you know just like america is heavily steeped in patriarchal culture uh, so much so that everybody's brainwashed or that most people are brainwashed into believing that that is the way that things are supposed to be and if they're any different or if you speak up or whatever then you're being a toxic feminist and I, mm. I, I yeah. don't know it's all it's all a cycle and it, I mean again that's why I think blue is warm I'm glad you chose this uh, Valerie because I think it's an important film to talk about in like the ways it kind of personifies what the a lot of the wrong things about uh, cu- culture and uh, the film industry and something we're kind of transitioning towards um, and it's you know uh, it's a bad object of the film it's interesting to talk about in the sense of what surrounds it 
um, what issues it shows uh, of like a greater of a the greater industry, but it also um, it exists, and I think it's I think it, to talk it's also about. avoidable too. Like yes, this, this whole mess could have just been taken out of existence if there was just different people involved and um yeah this this could have just been something far greater than what we've what we have gotten um yeah that's true one of the many controversies this decade that it's like you know how is longevity going to treat this it's like not well the mothers of the world it's like the jokers it's like I guess maybe there's a different veins because controversy can stem from different regions, but I guess yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting one, especially in the pantheon people, of all door winners. I think people praised blue as the warmest color, then didn't hear about, then didn't really tune into what happened to the actresses until years later, and then mm-hmm. upon rewatching, I think a lot of people who liked it at first are starting to see how it doesn't age well. How it didn't no. age well, rather. And look, I'm going to be honest, I didn't see Blue was the warmest color for the first time until last year. Mm. Um, and I had to, it took me three days to finish it because I was like one day, one hour. Because I watched it like a TV show. I was like, I'll just watch this one hour and then I'll turn it off and then I'll watch the next one. Like you should have done that. You know, I really should have. Like a mini series. <laughs> That's nice. And so, um, and I was like, wow, this is not what every... I was like, people really hyped this up. And I don't understand. And then I was like, oh, I get it. Okay, so she's, you know, masturbating or whatever. And he's showing it. Oh, there. <sighs> it's, it, it's porn at some point. I, let's just call it what it is. It's fucking... Some, like, sometimes I'm just like, when, like, the, like, when you see this, when you see the dude's dick, it's just like, okay, all right, fuck it. I get it. All right, like, you want to go, you want to go all, like, you want to lose all restrictions and you want to mm-hmm. just completely go there. Fine, whatever. But don't make me watch it for three fucking hours. <laughs> if this mm-hmm. is a movie, make it a movie, not a fucking porno. Like, I, I don't know. I mean... I, I, and I, I can't believe I'm saying that because I'm not that kind of guy who's like, not prude or whatever. It's just ridiculous how yeah, par- it's almost a parody at some point, like how long it <laughs> is and how like it, it, there's no it's not sexy. It's not like, yeah, I don't feel anything. It's not sensual. Yeah. It's just people like doing like doing it. And I just like, I well, don't hey, know what at the least, point of any of it is. At least it's our first NC-17 this decade. It's kind of historic. <laughs> It's weird that those movies exist. Yeah. Like I never, like yeah. I have never seen an NC-17 movie. I don't think. Well, I think something else that I thought of that it's also NC-17 that's decade of shame, right? Because a few years later, oh. that also earned its graphic rating. Um, I think and, *Nymphomaniac*. Is, *Nymphomaniac*, of course. And yeah. I think *The House That Jack Built*. <laughs> of course. And, he did build uh, that house, Jack. Um, he did. He did. God damn it, there's one more. Um, mm. Antichrist. I, actually, I don't know yeah. if that's this decade, but... it's it's. It, it I, I think it's just at the cutoff, but yeah, Lars is pretty infamous at the MPAA, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I think Shame was what I thought of the most, because, of course, it's, a, it's about um, a uh, sex addict 
in Fastbender in that Fastbender character, but it's which makes sense why it's graphic it, because that's well, the course, whole point yeah, of the movie. It, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, it's um, you know, it, I think Steve McQueen is someone that took a a deeper look. I think the runtime it's like half of this, so I think that it's it's much more lean, obviously, and um, even in the scenes that there is nudity, you're like, okay, this makes sense narratively and because it is an elephant in the room i think he's got a better grasp of of the source material it's that and like sometimes marketing has a big how do i say this sometimes marketing has a a big a bigger role to play than normal Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just think blue is the warmest color was marketed as this sort of coming of age love story. And it is until the N17, NC-17 dropped. And you're like, well, what the hell is this about? Yeah. Two women, it can't be that graphic. Oh, whoop of shit. And then you watch it, <laughs> you're like, well, damn. Yeah. But, it's, you know, with shame, with shame, you kind of knew what you were walking into from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But blue is the warmest color has an NC seventeen slapped on it, and you have no idea what you're really walking into. Yeah. Um, and you know, shame is just like a better shame is just a better example of like yeah. a film that wants to tackle sexuality specifically. Um, I think shame is almost like you're you have a pair of binoculars, and you're like spying on an apartment complex of windows, and you get to one window that you should not be looking at and you feel almost like disgusted that you're looking at this one guy but you're well for me at least i feel almost more entranced that we keep going along with this person um unlike here where it just um it just grows colder and colder and and um it loses steam very very quickly absolutely it's a really great way of putting that jack very quickly uh, yeah. Well, I think that goes to show that we do not want to check out Kashish's uh, butt movie. I think that is the more <laughs> we can learn here. Right? Like there I was so many like, I jokes about, it. about that. Yeah. Right. But I, also, heard, I heard about it at Cannes last course. year, but then I I didn't hear it like have any release, not even like a, uh, a distributor. So it's, it's almost like it's finished. Four, four hours. Well, of course, yeah. but it's. I think. I think. The fact that it just vanished was just the strange part. I think it has distribution now. What? Um, I'll look it up. I would double check. I what believe... it's called. <laughs> I just know it's the butt movie. <laughs> Is that the title? Is that the alternate title of the butt movie directed by Kishish? No, it's called something part four. Enter, enter mezzo something I, I don't remember what's called mechatobe my love intermezzo i probably butchered it It rolls off the top yeah um it's probably french and it's like it, and it's apparently like this unofficial sequel to another film that's just like it called uh met met uh Tobe, my love um i can't it, it's probably on like a streaming service that we've never heard of before right i, I have to think that yeah. No, it's not even on Crackle. It's like on French Crackle. <laughs> Le Crackle. Crackle. Yeah, Le Crackle. But Le didn't crackle. they have? Did did it? Am I wrong about it finding distribution? It probably did, like in France, but I doubt. Maybe in, Sundance now. The same people that picked up Blue. 
Yeah, I, on IMDb, the only release date is for the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I feel like everyone just kind of like saw it a can, made all of the butt jokes that they could, and then just like, yeah, let's just <laughs> we're done. The reviews for it are hilarious. Very I mean, funny. Some of those are some of the best reviews I've ever written. People are just going at it, free falling. <laughs> yeah. You know, we we had Ella Camp here a little while ago to talk about Captain Fantastic, and we chatted a little bit about uh, festival reception. And I know that there were a few walkouts of Blue, and I think those are justified. It's not like that there are scheduling conflicts. If I were to make assumptions, you know, I, I don't think someone just skips out on Blue because of the long runtime, and they were missing out something else that they could have checked out. Like, this is something that people are, okay, I've had enough of this, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I'm pretty sure MechaTube was like that as well. I heard that mm. half the audience just kind of just walked out. Yeah. And yeah. if you look at my, my my interview again with Iris Bray, where she's talking about, she went to, a, I think she said she went to a critic screening of it. And she said she sat there through the whole thing. Um, and she, she said there was a whole row of older male critics who sat in a row ahead of her and we're just having a good time while the women there were just like, what the fuck is this? Mm, yeah. um, you definitely got to check out that interview. Mm, interesting. Yeah. When, when we had a friend of our, of the show, Gabby Iori see portrait that reminds me of when she told us that it was, it was just like, she had just like you, she had a very emotional reaction to it. Very, uh, it hit her, hit her pretty hard, and it was in a row of male critics that she felt a little isolated from, and it was just an uncomfortable viewing. I think I think those experiences are are very underrated in how they can affect your viewing, but just not not how the film speaks to you, but how you remember that viewing experience. Because that, I guess that is a part of it, or at least an overlooked part of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. I found I found a great quote. Uh, so uh, when we were talking about uh, Mechtobe, uh, I was I, I remember there's uh, Ehrlich had this one quote that I rem- that I, I tried to remember, um, but he's it was I think he was talking about um, he was talking about the new one, the one that was released last can, um, and. Uh, he he said one critic likened the film to a very special episode of Jersey Shore and referred to Kashif's <laughs> camera's camera as a tush ogler. Oh my god! That Imagine that! Oh my god! A twenty four. Where you guys at? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that uh, like neon. A yeah. Jersey Shore movie, but A twenty four. That'd be interesting. Um, well, <laughs> set in Florida. I, that's all. They, that's all they need. Um, do we have anything else we want to say? I, I I don't know if we do. We do favorite scene. We usually do favorite scene after each yeah. epi- uh, at the end of each episode. But um, we can do the worst if you want, or I can tell you I, my favorite and my worst. Sure, let's go. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. Um, my favorite scene is is of course the pride parade. Um, mm-hmm. that was the only scene I felt that was genuine with energy was actually real um the lighting was great it was just the 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 synergy and the energy of that scene was one point in the film where i actually like cracked a smile Mm -hmm. um and it also made france a paris prize look like a lot of fun um and something that i wanted to experience 
So he did that really well. By far the worst scene in this film, among the many, has got to be when they start making out at the restaurant. I've never seen yep. anything like that before. Yes. Yeah, that's that's my worst scene. It's I just I mean the ugh. nerve of the director to think like maybe that was just his own private fantasy, but I'm like, and it wasn't like they started making out in the restaurant. They were like fingering one another, and I just was like, so these two people, there's two people in the back round of that scene. (laughs) There's like no reaction. No reaction at all. Like it may have been a little bit more impactful if there was like a reaction from the people, but there was just nothing. And you know, came of the scene either. It was so irrelevant. It was yeah. so irrelevant. You know, I think obviously I'm not trying to defend this that scene. I think that is that is um it doesn't accomplish what it tries to set out to do, but I think it gets lost in translation a little bit that um I I think maybe that you were trying to feel Adele's anguish and agony and regret towards this relationship and this is just the way it comes out like there are no words that can be used and this is the way to express it but I do agree that is not um it's not well told you know so I guess that's just that's my read (laughs) that's my read yeah yeah it was just I understand what you're saying like I yeah yeah um Uh, yeah, what's your like, like I said, I did have some kind of enjoyment for that first hour with the high school stuff in that first time I saw this. Um, so I think when Adele is out with that male friend of hers and she's talking about Tom, like the guy that she wants to break up with, but she feels bad about it, and they kind of have that. Uh, rapport back and forth. I think that was pretty nice. I, I, that kind of meant it's. It just kind of really brought it brought it back to earth. Like she is just a girl with friends, and she goes to class and and such and such. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah. If I had to choose worst scene, it was definitely going to be that uh, restaurant scene because that's just I was I was just it became a parody at that point. Uh. And I'm not a particular fan of the ending too. I kind of rolled my eyes at it. But my favorite scene. I think the park scene is kind of cool. I don't know, like not the not when they're like having that picnic or whatever. I think I think that's well filmed. Um, I think it's like when they're actually talking about things. I think it's kind of sweet. Um, that scene, I, I do appreciate the acting and like that confrontation of um, like get out, get out. I don't want anything to do with you. And like Adele just like sobbing. Um, but besides that, I don't know, like. I do, it, like, maybe, like, the little conversations when they're just, like, talking, like, when she's talking with the boy that she's going out with about books or whatever, and it's just, like, her fascination with, like, or, like, her just talking about, like, teachers. I don't know. I'm like, okay, this is interesting, kind of. Like, we're talking, like, okay, maybe I'm seeing an actual character right now, but it just, it's quickly washed away. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, like, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It's, it's <laughs> just a fresh, it's a frustrating experience. It, it just, mm-hmm. it's very frustrating. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Valerie Complex, thank you so much for coming on. Please come back. We would love to have you back. This was um, fun. I'm sorry I kept you out on hold. Oh, there's like, it, no worries. No worries whatsoever. 
Um, where where do where can people find you on the internet? Uh, where 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 can they read your stuff? Can find me um, on uh, Twitter at Valerie Complex, V A L E R I E C O M P L E X, and that is on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find me at Valerie underscore Complex. You can also take a look at my unfinished website, which is. ValerieComplex.com, all one word. And yeah, that's it. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Jack, where can everyone find you? Oh, it's my turn. Yeah, it's um, your turn. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, my Twitter is Jack A. Draper, and my writing can be found at places like uh, The Simple Cinephile, Cineflix Daily, and uh, Cinema, etc. Any new pieces coming out? Not sure. Not sure. Uh, yeah. Cool. There's some prepared, but like release dates, TBA. TBA, okay. Yeah. Well, keep a look out. <laughs> keep a look out for that, people. Um, I wouldn't. Henry, I wouldn't I, know even. You, know? you wouldn't know. No, of course you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, you can all find me at Clayfilm100 on Twitter, on Instagram, on Letterboxd. Um, you can follow the podcast account at ettpod. Uh, you can leave a voicemail on Anchor. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Please give us those five stars. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, next week, well, okay, we're we're figuring out. We're recording a whole bunch of episodes in, close together, so we'll figure no, out. No, we're the not figuring bit. it out. We're not. No, no, no. We got eighth grade next week. Okay, we got eighth grade next week with Gabby Iori. With I don't, really, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know things. So Jack, no, just Jack like, helps me. Yeah, out. it's all right. <laughs> no, you're mad at me. I understand. <laughs> um, ever, um, but yeah, thank you all so much for listening, guys. Uh, COVID, it's you know, it, it's a troubling time, but we'll get through it together. Uh, stay inside, stay safe. Um, yeah, watch a movie, watch Eighth Grade, another traumatic movie, but in a better way. Um, yeah, uh, thank you all so much for listening. We're gonna catch you next time on exiting through the 2010s.